You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, this is episode 52 of Leading and Learning. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about the Gospel of Luke and specifically some tips for reading the Gospel of Luke. And if you go back and look at the archives, you'll see that we've done this for Matthew, we've done it for Mark, and we've done it for the Gospel of John. And we'll we'll continue working through the New Testament and we'll, we'll um, do these posts periodically because I want to provide some tools for you to use in your Bible reading. And of course, there's no way we can exhaustively and extensively um, look at each Gospel or each book of the, the Bible Um, on these podcasts, but what I want to do is at least give you some tools, at least give you some tips, some insights for your reading to maybe give you some context and to provide a starting place for, for your Bible reading. Maybe you're new to reading the Bible, so hopefully I can at least give you um, some, some ideas as you start on some things to look for. And as we look at the Gospel of Luke today, um, it's a fascinating gospel. The Gospel of Luke was originally part of a two-volume set that included the Acts of the Apostles. And and the author of of Luke and Acts is is traditionally understood to be Dr. Luke, who was Paul's traveling companion. He's probably the only non-Jewish writer in the entire New Testament. Very, very educated. Um, the writer of Luke and Acts is probably the most educated writer in the New Testament. Um, his, 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 his Greek is beautiful, it's very uh, polished, and it's just a, a fascinating book to read. And so in the Gospel of Luke, we have his account of Jesus' life and ministry. Now, of course, this would cover probably 30 to 35 years, give or take. Um, the Gospel, or the the Acts of the Apostles cover the first 30 years, 35 years or so, of the early church. So they're two very important books um, in the church and um, are really worth being studied. Luke is the only one of the the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell us how he wrote his book. He actually gives us some insight into his writing process. Listen to what he says in Luke 1, 1 through 4. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, we're not going to spend much time talking about who Theophilus is. There have been entire books and studies done on who Theophilus might be. Um, It's very likely that he was a a friend of Luke's and possibly even the patron who was 
financially supporting Luke's writing. I mean, it was a very expensive process to write a book in the first century. And so very likely he was the the money behind it, but uh, he was also possibly a new Christian, possibly a pastor, a leader, and uh, somebody that Luke was um, writing to to help, help him get strengthened in his faith. And as with the other three Gospels, there are several, several ways in which we can approach and study um, the Gospel of Luke. Um, one of the first ways, one of the first really interesting studies that you could do if you wanted to study the Gospel of Luke would be to examine the first two chapters of gospel, the Gospel of Luke and then compare them with the opening narratives in the other three Gospels. You know, Luke's account of the birth of Jesus in chapters 1 and 2 are by far the most detailed and extensive of the birth narratives. He gives us so much insight and so much information that we don't get anywhere else. Now, Matthew also provides a birth narrative, but his is much shorter and not nearly as detailed. Um, Luke's, as we, you know, we mentioned Luke's writing process, it's very, very likely that Luke got his information on, on the birth of Jesus and the events surrounding the birth of Jesus from Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, very likely, Luke sat down with her and interviewed her and asked questions because when you read um, uh, Luke 1 and 2, it just reads like a first-person account, and it probably was. It was probably a first-person account that was related to Luke by Mary. In Matthew's account, it, a little bit more from Joseph's point of view, and as we said, not nearly as detailed. And I guess that kind of goes to the difference between men and women. Uh, men don't provide as much detail. They're just interested in answering the question and moving on. Um, the Gospel of Mark provides no birth account. Um, you get a little bit of information on John the Baptist's ministry, and then we hit the ground running with Jesus. And then in John, John's account is very different than the other three. Um, I'll let you read it for yourself in John 1. But John, again, provides no birth narrative of Jesus, but he does provide some very, very interesting background information. So this is a great study um, if you wanted to get started with the Gospel of Luke. A second approach to studying the, the Gospel of Luke would be to examine the groups of people that the author spotlights, that the author focuses on. You know, more than any of the other three Gospels, Luke shows Jesus reaching out to the, the marginalized groups of society, the people that are on the periphery, the, the outcast even. Women, children, Samaritans, lepers, tax collectors, prostitutes, every manner of sinner. These are all groups that Jesus has shown taking time to engage with and minister to. And you might say, well, why would you include women and children in that group with prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors and sinners? Well, in the first century, women, sorry ladies, were just about a step above property. They had very, very few rights. And children were the same way. Until children were grown and could contribute to the family, until they could work, they were more of a liability than an asset. So, so Jesus is shown in the Gospel of Luke regularly reaching out and talking to women and um, encouraging them and, 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 and loving them and loving children and, and, and showing himself as their friend. Two examples of Jesus reaching out to these mar marginalized people are, um, first of all, the story of the Good Samaritan. 
This was such a controversial story. In this story, you have a hated Samaritan who becomes the hero of the story. Now, there was a serious racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. There was tension. There was conflict. And so when Jesus told this story and made the Samaritan the hero, and he he saves the, the Jewish man who's been beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, this would have sounded uh, very, very uh, scandalous to the the, the hearers. They would have wondered why it wasn't the other way around. Why wasn't the Jewish guy the hero of the story? They could have stomached that a lot easier. And then a second um, story that or uh, narrative that we see in the Gospel of Luke that shows Jesus reaching out to these mar- marginalized people is when he invites himself to lunch at Zacchaeus, the tax collector's house. Tax collectors were, were hated they were looked at as, as sellouts to their own people. Um, they were, I mean, tax collectors even had their own category. I mean, you had prostitutes and ta- you had prostitutes and sinners and, and drunkards, and then tax collectors were even below them. And so when Jesus reached out and said, I want to have lunch with you today, Zacchaeus, the people were murmuring and they couldn't understand why he's going to be the, the guest of a man who's a tax collector and a sinner. But yet, After this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus' life was changed. So over and over again, um, Jesus shows, or Luke shows Jesus reaching out to these groups of people that no other self-respecting rabbi would go near. And then there's a third way that we can can look at Luke's, Luke's gospel or a third theme that we could study. And that's the theme of prayer. Luke's gospel has often been referred to as the gospel of prayer. And it's not that Matthew, Mark, and John don't refer to Jesus praying or have Jesus teaching on prayer, but Luke's gospel, it's it's so important to Luke because over and over and over again, Jesus is shown praying. Over and over again, Jesus is teaching on prayer and teaching his disciples how to pray. Luke also shows other individuals in prayer, such as Zechariah and Simeon early in the, the gospel. And then Luke also contains um, some of Jesus' most extended teaching on prayer. And uh, one example of this is in chapter 11. So this is a great theme to study in the Gospel of Luke is what does he have to say about prayer? And then one last way that we can approach the Gospel of Luke, one last theme that we could use um, as we study the Gospel would be Luke's emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. Only John gives as much teaching on the Holy Spirit as Luke does. John, however, records Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit while Luke tends to show him in action. The Holy Spirit is referred to being active in Jesus' ministry. And then, of course, this is continued in the second volume in the Acts of the Apostles because After we've seen the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Jesus, in the Acts of the Apostles, we begin to see the the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the church or at work in the people of God. So studying the, the, the Luke's portrayal of the Holy Spirit is a fascinating study. It's only Luke that refers to somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this would be um, a great study to read Luke and Acts together and see how, how he shows the Holy Spirit at work.
Well, now it's your turn. What are some other themes? What are some other things that you have encountered while studying the Gospel of Luke? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com and tell me what stands out to you when you read Luke's Gospel. What do you find fascinating? What do you find confusing? What do you enjoy about Luke's Gospel? So davidspell.com, leave your comment or your question in the comments section for today's post. And while you're at my website, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. Subscribing is a very important thing to me. Having, having the ability to be able to communicate with you regularly is so important to me, and I'd appreciate it. I'd consider it an honor if you'd sign up. You'll get my, my, my free uh, newsletter. It comes out three times a week. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are when I post new content. But also, for my subscribers, I publish a subscribers-only newsletter that comes out once a month. So subscribe, and I know you will enjoy it. Well, now it's time for this week's resource highlight. You know, today we've talked about the Gospel of Luke. And my book, Peter and Paul in Acts, provides a guide and a handbook for studying the Acts of the Apostles, but it also provides some fascinating background information on Luke's gospel. Because when I wrote the, the, the Peter and Paul in Acts, my primary focus was writing on uh, the book of Acts and providing a, a handbook or a guidebook for, for you as you read it. But I also... Um, understood that Luke Acts was a two-volume work, and you can't write about one without writing about the other. So there's some really good and some really helpful background information in there on Luke's gospel as well. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes. Click through from my website. If, if you're interested in getting the book, Amazon will show us a little bit of love, and I would so, so appreciate that. Now, as we close, um, could I ask for just a small favor? If you could go to iTunes and give us a rating and, and just share a review on leading and learning because good reviews help us get our content to more awesome people just like you. And if you like the podcast, share it with a friend. You'll be glad you did and they will appreciate it. So until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.